Oh my god, you you like toaster strudel? You're gonna love this next product, poster turtle from from Kellogg. It's just a poster of a turtle. It's so good, but it only if you like rhymes. toaster strudel. Only if you like toaster strudel. What if turtle was pr- was pronounced trudel, trudel, strudel, trudel? Toaster Trudeau. Trudeau. Isn't wait, that's the Prime Minister of Canada, isn't back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name is Rar. And my name is John. And together we're Rar and John coming at you to make that year of the tiger purr. Yeah, listen to that purring year. It's already off to a great start. Yeah, slaps tiger. This baby can fit (laughs) so many year in it. Man, have you ever uh, talked to slaps tiger? He's really intense. Oh, no, I don't run with that same crew. Ah, well, freeform jazz isn't for everybody. This year, (laughs) if it were like... (laughs) Freeform jazz is just too tough for me. It's way too tough. They're they're very gatekeepy. They uh, they run the streets. Have you ever been to the elephant room? Yeah. Shit's loud. (laughs) I love it. Loud AF. Jazz is a, you know, there's no better way to start a podcast than talking about jazz, so I'll go. Uh, There's no musical genre that I like listening to in my own time less and like listening to live more than jazz. Yeah, I feel like jazz, it's all about the live performance. I mean, jazz is just, it's just great. It's great to be around. Great vibes at at a jazz show. And just listening to jazz, I don't know. So loud. I can still hear it. Oh, that's the magic of jazz. You can never not hear it. Yeah, you're, uh, you're La La Land now. Is that a beverage I hear being opened or a small handgun being cocked? Boy, you know it. Wait, which one? <laughs> it's a beverage, John. It's a beverage. You still on dry January? I have not broken dry January yet. Wow, you've only got six more days to go. I know. The weird thing is it didn't feel like a challenge this time around, so I might keep it going. See how long see how long I can keep it running. I mean, I, I say more power to you. I everyone says this at the beginning of the year before the dread sets in, but I have seriously curtailed my drinking uh to the point that like I'm trying to lose some weight and be healthy and I might be doing a long bike ride thing for charity in the future so like Ooh. I listen alcohol's great 
And I love the taste and the story and the artistry behind beer and certain alcohols. But like, there's kind of, there's like no drug that's worse for you in terms of like your weight and your performance. Tastes good. Tastes great. Tastes great. Great history. Looks good. Kind of numbs everything just a little bit. And that's where I get into trouble is, uh. (laughs) I've been trying to hike with people or just do anything outside rather than invite people to drink because drinking numbs my anxiety. So naturally, I'm like, if I hang out with people, I want to go drink because, you know, anxiety. But now I just hike and hiking numbs the anxiety. Oh, it's good to get addicted to hiking because it's movement and you're you're shedding your calories and you're in nature. You can get back in touch with your roots. Plus, at the end of the day, you can enjoy a nice alcoholic beverage because you because you earned it. And then you get it both ways. Yeah, now we're talking. I was actually reading this study that uh, this is not important or interesting, but I was reading a study that, on average, people who take part in moderate to intense exercise. Well, moderate exercise at least six times a week and intense exercise at least four times a week. Drink like twice as much alcohol as people who don't and are in general much healthier. Yeah, it's insane. I need to get back in the gym or something. I need to get I need to start working out again. I mean, it's tough with COVID, but I've been wearing a mask in the YMCA. And let me tell you, nothing gets your heart rate up on a high rep set of squats than wearing a thick, thick mask. Yeah, yeah, heart rate up for the wrong reasons, though. It's like going to hell every time I go to the YMCA <laughs> with my big, thick double mask on, but I'm oh, willing to make the sacrifice. I think I passed out doing hamstring curls today. Yikes. Yeah. That is, yeah. Um, yikes. You drinking anything tonight? Yes, I am, in fact, drinking an what HEB unsweetened sparkling water. Ooh, unsweetened. It is a orange flavor. I don't know, Henry, if you've ever been to a little place called Central Market. Oh, boy, have I. Do you like Central Market? I think it's better than any Whole Foods out there. I wholeheartedly agree. I think that the produce section of Central Market deserves an award. It's beautiful. Everything's delicious. It's mandatory, too, which is crazy. It is mandatory. They make uh, you walk through it. They're like, we put all of our heart and soul into this produce section. So you're going to go through it before you get to the store. Yeah, you need to look at all the beautiful fresh fruits and vegetables before you look at the sweet, sweet beer you're trying to buy. I bought oh, man. A, a very expensive, it's very dumb. Every time I go to Central Market, which is like one, twice a year maybe, uh, I I go crazy on all these brands I've never heard of, and I got this 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 stuff, Henry, that was called Ugly Soda. It sounds appealing, and the branding on it was like very cool, very like graffiti adjacent, and okay. it was like this is a zero calorie, zero sweetener orange soda, and I was like, I love orange soda, you know, <laughs> it's good, right, right. Drank it, it's just lightly orange-flavored sparkling water. So uh, instead of paying $8 for eight of them, I'm now paying the two fifty or whatever for a sweet 12-pack of HEB uh, unsweetened sparkling water, which tastes exactly the same. That's very interesting. I was so disappointed. It's not even orange-colored. 
The wait, the the ugly soda? The ugly soda. Oh. It's just orange flavored sparkling water. It's the exact same thing I'm drinking, and this probably actually tastes a little bit better. Yeah, but does the can have sweet graffiti on it? No, it doesn't have sweet graffiti on it. <laughs> no graffiti? <laughs> it has no graffiti. It's very it's very lame looking, but you know what? I'm willing to save a buck and support a failing local business like H-E-B. <laughs> H-E-B, the only grocery store in Texas. The only grocery store in Texas failing mom and pop operation. Uh, yeah. I, I Never, never should you begrudge giving money to H-E-B because, like, they were there for us during the winter freezes. Yeah, and they pay their workers a decent wage. Like, you know. I don't know what Central Market does. Actually, Central Market is H-E-B. What am I talking about? Exactly. They're the same thing. And I just want to remind everybody that during the winter storm, when an H-E-B lost power, instead of trying to like tabulate everything by hand, H-E-B just said, just leave. Just take the food and go. Yeah. If if you've got what's in your cart, just leave and take it and be well. Because they knew it was a disaster that could potentially kill hundreds and did kill hundreds of people. Yeah. It's a Take good that, guy. Kroger. I don't know who Kroger is. Fuck you, Kroger. Fuck you, Chad uh, Kroger. And I'm drinking the only legal drug that is allowed to me tonight. That's right, Coke, Coke Zero. Oh, a Coke Zero at uh, at the evening hour sounds horrifying to me since I can no longer drink caffeine past noon. I uh, I normally don't do this. Sometimes I'll have a Coke with dinner or something, but... Um, I, you know, the past two weeks I've been doing the ginger ale because, uh, I don't know. I just didn't want to do a Coke at night, but I I mean, I cut my hand while I was cooking tonight Mm -hmm. and a bunch of other things just kind of like went slightly wrong enough to be like, fuck it. I need, I need a Coke. (laughs) I mean, go for it. I, I do what you want. I'm trying to lose some weight. So I feel very bingy right now. Just indulge. Who cares? It doesn't help that, that I, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to stop drinking. I might lose some weight just inadvertently. And then the frickin' Girl Scouts had to deliver all their cookies early. No. We have no less than 10 boxes of cookies in this house. Hell yeah. We got like six peppermint patties. That's not what they're called. Peanut butter patties. Uh-huh. The best. Uh, we got like one one of these new ones called lemonades. They're like huge and delicious. They, they taste like a little lemon tart. Ooh, I've heard good things about the lemonades. And then we got a couple. We got we got one thin mints. I'm not a fan of the thin mints. I I like a thin mint. I like a peanut butter patty. Haven't tried a lemonade. Uh, Samoas are good. You know, everyone we has this a, conversation. Yeah. Every I just love Girl Scout cookies. So There's much. a new cookie this year. They took away s'mores. Rest in peace, s'mores. There's a new cookie this year, John. Listen, I'm going to go on record. S'mores, good riddance. Oh, I, I, it hurt. It wounds me to hear you say that, but I, you know, it's fine. They were too much. I liked them, but uh, they were too much. They were too indulgent. There's a new cookie on the market. It's called Ventureful. Ventureful. Adventureful. Adve- that's too much of a mouthful. Exactly. And it, it is. It is like a brownie cookie caramel delight with chocolate and sea salt. It is, you want to say too much? It is too much. 
It, I mean, it sounds good, but it sounds a little maximalist for a Girl Scout cookie. Am I wrong? They've done it in a way where it's not it's not overindulgent. It's about the size of a of a peanut butter patty, so it's okay, all okay. Yeah, it's all compact. All those flavors kind of punch you, kind of at the same time. You you might not even get that sea salt in some bites. I, I can appreciate that because the thing that I think is so genius about Girl Scout cookies. Uh, which is very much in the zeitgeist, everyone's talking about it, is that they're just the right amount of... They're just enough. Like, some cookies, some, like, pretty maximalist cookies, you bite it, you're like, I have one bite and I don't want to eat anything else for the rest of my life. I just want to turn into a mummy and die. Whereas Girl Scout cookies, you're like, yeah. That is exactly what I expected it to be. It's no more, no less, and I think I'll have a sleeve. Exactly, yeah. There is something to say about the minimalism of cookies, because they're getting too complex these days. Especially, like, I'm looking at Oreos, which is one of the only cookies, one of the only products on the market that is perfect already. They're, They're delicious, they're vegan, they're great. And then they just keep iterating new flavors. And it's like, no, you don't need to do that, Oreo. You're already good. I just don't understand it because do they think they're going to improve on it? They're not. And Oreo is a perfectly balanced cookie that has way more calories in one of them than you think. Yeah. But, like, it's it's perfectly balanced. It's I stand by the fact that Oreos are the perfect cookie. I think Oreos need no adulteration, no fucking double stuffed, no mega stuff. I'm even against the thin Oreos, which I think no. might actually have a yeah. better amount of cream distribution. But like just the stop. normal yeah, the normal size. Every time I I eat one of these flavored Oreos, what's going through my head is like, man, that was almost good cuz it almost was an Oreo. Whenever you look at so, like, it's not even the varying cream levels, because the varying cream levels are a thing of the past. Those were news in the early 2000s. Now Oreos trying things like, these are banana Oreos, these are banafi Oreos, these are special other cookie-flavored Oreos, these are Tucker Carlson sexy green M&M Oreos. It's like, I don't yeah. care, fuck off. I don't, I don't yeah. want things that aren't Oreos. No, just give me the Oreos... You can put like a stamp on the cookie face. You can stamp it with like a like your holiday flags or whatever. You can change the color of the cream even if you really want to. If you feel like doing that on Halloween, I will not begrudge you. But don't you dare put more flavors in an Oreo. It doesn't need it. Yeah, you should like shamrock shake it or something. Like add green food dye to a vanilla milkshake and make it a different thing. Is that all a shamrock shake is? Yeah, people say there's mint oh in it, but there's not. God. What but a like, sham. What a sham rock shake. shake. Uh, but like, food scientists are smart. Let's say you have your, I don't know, special Taylor Swift breakup Oreos, and they're red with blonde cream. <laughs> you you can what? hire food scientists. <laughs> you can hire food scientists to create a red biscuit, and a blonde cream. (laughs) I was trying to think what colors Taylor Swift has, and I believe she typically wears red lipstick and is blonde. Yeah, I guess. I mean, she has a whole album called Red. 
Yeah, make a Taylor Swift red Oreo, but just make it taste exactly the same. Don't mess with success, just change the colors. Exactly. Oreo, if you're listening. This is advice. This is free. Also, make the Oreos non-binary. That too. When you were growing up and uh, you didn't know as much about nutrition as you do now, uh, did you ever do the following where you would take, like, say, like, two halves of a double-stuffed Oreo, the cream halves, Mm -hmm. stack them together and make too much of a cream Oreo and then eat it? Yeah, I I mean, when you're a child, I think you're not even eating things because they taste good. You're just eating things for the maximum amount of indulgence. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely do that. I, uh, I, I did was that very, too. I was very record. inventive with my food consumption. Uh, and I, I kind of took it to another level where if you got a thing of like double stuffed Oreos and then you got dental floss, you could take the Oreo and dental floss off the cream and a little puck and you could keep stacking those in Oreos until you had like a 10 X stuffed Oreo. Oh my God. Yeah. It was real bad. I, okay. That's a, that's, that's a step too far for me. I also would take Tootsie rolls and hold them in my hand to warm them up. And then I would unwrap them and stick them onto an increasingly larger ball of Tootsie Rolls. Oh my god. And then I took a bite out of that ball of Tootsie Rolls and tore all my fillings out. Oh wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I I was committed. I I will say, I I drew the line at just the two halves of of the Oreo stuck together and i think my mom saw me do that one time and then like grounded me for a week (laughs) no none of this (laughs) she's like stop playing with your food i'm like but it tastes better and she was like no we're not doing that (laughs) she's like no i know it doesn't i i like to imagine she ground you not grounded grounded not ground like beef but grounded grounded she grounded you not because she wanted to discourage you from playing with your food but because she too stands for the integrity of the oreo she's a purist she's like never never twist and pull you know it cookie dunk eat that's it okay i didn't think we'd be talking about oreos this much but twist and pull is a perverted unnecessary like the ratios are perfect. Just bite the cookie. Yeah. I'm I glad you were on saying, the same page. I thought you were saying my jargon was perverted. I'm like, no, that's what it means. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> twist. <laughs> you twist, twist separate. You twist, pull, lick, bite, and then separate the cream with uh, dental floss. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, no. You, you didn't, yeah, it's a perfect cookie. I, when I was younger, I would do that. Because the commercial showed people like... Twist pulling and then licking the cream, but then you're left with two, two dry biscuits, <laughs> two dry biscuits, you, and nobody wants to eat the two dry biscuits. The two dry biscuits that, and this is why Oreos are genius, are slightly bitter because they offset the super gross hydrogenated yeah. fat cream you're eating. But when you just have two slightly bitter chocolate biscuits, no child wants to eat that. No, every time this happens on occasion, but every time I get like. An Oreo cookie with no cream. 
just two biscuits together, I'm like, somebody deserves to be fired. <laughs> Someone needs to be taken out back and shot. Also, it's interesting that we live in the version of the world where we got the double stuffed Oreo. You know that there's like some other universe where they got the double crust Oreo, where it's the same <laughs> amount of cream, but double the cookie. Oh, no. Oh, and, the, and of course, the mega version of that is like no stuff Oreos. <laughs> yeah, mega crust. They replaced, they replaced the cream. It's just, it's <laughs> it's as thick as a quarter is uh, tall. <laughs> No separation, all crust, all one piece. All one crumbly, awful, bitter piece of chocolate oh. cookie. <laughs> Yikes. I didn't think I didn't think there was a hell until now. <laughs> yeah, the, the mega crust Oreo. The mega crust Oreo oh. is is certainly from hell. And of course, you know Oreo's tagline is milk's favorite cookie in our universe, but in the universe of the mega crust <laughs> Oreo, it's like orange soda's favorite cookie. <laughs> I like to imagine in whatever hellish universe they're like, Mega Crust Oreo, cookie. <laughs> <laughs> cookie. <laughs> Nothing, nothing's favorite cookie, just cookie. Just period. Cookie. <laughs> America's cookie is in the news again today. <laughs> yes. Uh, man. Orange soda and Oreos does sound truly terrible, though. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think any soda with any cookie is just not a good combination. No. Wait. No, can't think of one. I don't want to think of one. Oh, Speculoos and Fanta? What? <laughs> um, What's a Speculoo? It's like a cinnamon... It's like a gingerbready kind of okay. cookie. Uh, oh, Teddy Grahams and Fago? <laughs> that classic combination. Classic combination. Yeah, they call that the old American they do. They do. America's favorite America. Oh, shall we pivot to an actual topic tonight, John? Uh, you mean we weren't going to talk about Oreos for the full hour? I don't think we can. Not with so much weirdness happening in the world. Uh, I have a couple things. Neither of them are particularly weird, though. I've got something I teed up in the very beginning. I feel like we need to deliver on that first. Yeah, so as I uh, I wished everybody at the top of the episode, it's the Chinese New Year. And uh, what better way to celebrate than with the recently released in China film, Fight Club? Oh, no. What happened? Uh, well, after 23 years of being debuted in America, uh, Fight Club debuted on the uh, Chinese streaming service. I think it's called Tencent Video. Uh-huh. And uh, people who are familiar with the film and were watching it on Tencent Video noticed a small but egregious change uh, to the ending. Well, I mean, I, I can't really think of anything that happens in Fight Club that uh, would would be difficult to like a heavily censored uh, Chinese uh, video distributor, you know. It's not anti-authoritarian <laughs> at all. Exactly, yeah. There's no deeper message in Fight Club about society or the way society sort of creates monsters. None of that's being commented on in the movie Fight Club. Yeah, not to the best of my knowledge. 
Uh, so spoilers for those who are, who have never seen Fight Club, but I mean, we can't talk about it without kind well, of. I mean, we can't talk about it. That's it's in the rules. I get it. I get uh-huh. your joke. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna. I mean, this is gonna. I'm, we're gonna talk about the ending of Fight Club. Wait, and then, wait, Henry, you scared the shit out of me. If you haven't watched Fight Club, turn the podcast off now. Listen no further. You scared the <laughs> shit out of me, dude. End this podcast if you have not watched the 1999 or whatever movie Fight Club. Yeah, it's, it debuted in 1999. Uh, are you telling them to pause and watch the movie and come back? Or do you just don't <laughs> want them back? I don't care what you have to do. Throw your phone or your AirPods out of a window out of a moving vehicle, or out of the plane you are currently in, do not continue this podcast unless you have seen Fight Club. Okay. Do not. Was it worth scaring me (laughs) half to death? Uh, Yes. Jeez, I thought something bad was happening. (laughs) No, I was just making, I was just being funny. Have you ever, have you ever just been on a voice call with somebody and they start shouting at you? (laughs) It's called a podcast, Henry. Oh, okay. Okay, right. So, as we all know by now... Don't you remember that my favorite thing to do in a large group of people is suddenly, like, slam my hands on a table and scream, ENOUGH! I haven't been with you in person in a very long time, John. Oh, you're right. Uh, Those were the days, those halcyon days. Anyway, continue your thing and we'll see if I scream again. (laughs) As we all know, since we all now have seen Fight Club hopefully by now... And the original ending of uh, Fight Club, uh, Ed Norton's character kills off his imaginary alter ego, Tyler Durden, and then watches multiple buildings explode, suggesting his character's plan to bring down modern civilization is underway. Mm -hmm. Here's how the Chinese version differs, John. And just let me know after I'm done... Uh, ex- explaining what happens if you can spot the differences, okay? Uh-huh. So in the Chinese version, uh, the, narr- the narrator, or Ed Norton, still proceeds with killing off Tyler Durden, but the exploding building scene is replaced with a black screen in a coda that reads, the police rapidly figured out the whole plan and arrested all criminals, successfully preventing the bomb from exploding. It then adds that Tyler, a figment of the narrator's imagination, was sent to a lunatic asylum for psychological treatment and was later discharged. Wait, it says Tyler Durden goes to a lunatic asylum? Yes. Uh, Interesting. I wonder if the person who added that actually watched the movie. Considering that Tyler Durden dies in the scenes. (laughs) Considering Tyler Durden dies and also is not real. It's also imaginary, but even if you didn't pay attention enough to see that he was imaginary, the character that you said just went to an asylum, a sane asylum, dies. Like, he is shot. He is killed. How do you send a corpse to an asylum? I almost feel like there is no, At this point, I feel like that's got to be the definitive edition of Fight Club. Well, yeah, okay. That's what we need to talk about. Because this version of Fight Club is coming out 23 years after the original. 
And that can only really happen with this change Mm -hmm. if the director and the writer, Chuck Palahniuk, agree that this is the version of the film that deserves to come out right now. I I wonder I I'm I'm interested to know what the involvement of Chuck Palahniuk uh and and anyone involved would be because I feel like this change to Chuck Palahniuk would be hilarious. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, I I feel like that would be very funny. Um, is this like voiceover or is it just a text coda to the best of your knowledge? It is just a text coda. Incredible. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder if it was just a series of emails where Chuck Palahniuk is like, yeah, that's funny. It's, it's (laughs) funny that the state of the world we live in is such that this is the version of my movie that gets released to this massive audience. I mean, honestly, I don't even think they, they, uh, they consulted him. Probably. I, I, you know, the studio probably owns the movie. Yeah, it's almost certainly the studio, actually. And Yeah, and now Tencent, like, owns half of all the studios or whatever, has, like, a big chunk of shares in media production. So they're like, yeah, we're going to, yeah, sure, we can finally release this movie. But we're going to change the parts we don't agree with, like, all of society blowing up. That's probably not a thing we should worry about, right? Right, yeah, censoring works that have already come out and have been around for decades i mean uh okay so what what the chinese version of fight club did is funny but pretty predictable like things don't get released on chinese streaming platforms if they are uh criticizing authority typically the police or the military as long as it is the chinese military uh so that's not really a a thing that they do. So that's predictable. But, like, there's a lot of censorship of historical works happening right now, and it's hard to talk about this and feel like you're on the right side of history, but, like, I I feel like if you put up a show that has, like, an episode with a racist depiction in it, own up to it, but don't remove that episode... <laughs> Yeah, put a disclaimer at the top of the episode explaining the mistake that was made and what should have been done or like what we can learn from that mistake. Yeah, but don't pull the episode because that's just erasing the mistake. Yeah, it's it's censorship. And I don't typically think that censorship is awesome. But like I said, I it's hard to feel like you're on the right side of history. I also don't know if like, you know, Tina Fey or whatever putting a statement before like a blackface episode of 30 rock i don't even know if that's necessary because like can't we trust people (laughs) to look at artifacts of the past and be like this is the creator's vision and a product of its time like do we need to baby people into enjoying art even if art has like deeply offensive and misguided things in it i i don't know i think protecting art and taking away the ability for people to use your creative vision against you to attack your character might be what's happening in, in the cases of people putting out statements before episodes. Yeah. And it honestly might be more so protecting the network that the show was on than actually protecting the creator so that mobs of people can't show up to NBC or whatever and say, like, you 
air racist things and we hate you. Therefore, we're going to destroy your office. I mean, I we have said this a thousand times on this podcast. We love cancel culture and we love canceling people. But I to to your point, I I totally understand what you mean. Like you don't want a position where like the hundreds of people who worked really hard on a given episode of 30 Rock you don't want them to potentially have their careers be ruined because people either are actually ignorant to the fact that things can be a product of their time and times change or maliciously, intentionally ignorant of that fact and then choose to hold it against people. Yeah. Yeah, I I think the disclaimers make sense. I don't know. It's I, I just feel like... The butt got edited out of Splash, which doesn't <laughs> feel like a huge thing. This is the hill that you're wanting to die on? The the Splash butt hill. I'm just... I feel like there's like genuinely a lot of strange censorship happening, and I feel like the frog has been boiling slowly, and I, I think that there are kind of two fronts from which censorship is going to converge on us. And I think the first one comes from good intentions and preserving the integrity and the livelihoods of people who work on things. And the other is uh, companies that are pro-censorship in pro-censorship regimes uh, holding billions of dollars in stock in companies that produce the most media. Yeah, I think where we run into tr- tr- trouble or danger is when the censorship isn't happening. I mean, I don't know if censorship could ever happen in the right way or for right reasons. Um, but when an overwhelming authoritative force is forcing censorship onto their viewers, I think that's when we run into the problem. Yes. Uh I mean, yeah, I I think that that's fair. I think creators of things can edit their work in real time as long as other versions of that work are still available. If someone changes their opinion on how something should be presented, they can present a new version of it as is their right as creators. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. But to erase that, I believe, is wrong. And also to force creators to censor things is wrong which i don't think is an earth-shattering statement it shouldn't be um and yet here we are in the year 2022 and i'm just saying that's black the butt in splash who made the call well of course it was the um very famous disney executive see no more butts oh cousin to see more butts yeah, yeah. Exchanged cousin to see more butts. See no more butts. Didn't uh, didn't like the button splash. Yeah, uh, I I I understand. I'm looking at Did, a Disney wants to put forth the idea that Tom Hanks has never seen a naked woman. I mean, that's just true. They they swapped <laughs> him out for a stunt double for the scene. Oh God. Uh. Yeah, Tom Hanks has never seen the flesh of a woman or man or animal. Nope. Yeah, that's why when you look in his eyes, you see a total 
total calm and serenity, for he is the fleshless man. He's never seen his own flesh. He's never. He can't. He can't. He what can. does he see when he looks in the mirror? They don't let him. He's never seen any of his own movies. He's never seen. He doesn't even know what a movie is. He's like, he it's fun into- that I get to go on these adventures. Oh wow, that's amazing. Yeah. What a, what a weirdly charmed life, Mister Hanks gets to live. Yeah, and that's why only he was able to give birth to the chosen one, Chet Hanks. Oh, Chet, not uh, Colin? No, not Colin. No. I mean, he was good in Fargo, but Chet Hanks is the way to go. Okay. He speaks in a weird patois. I don't, I'm not familiar with Chet Hanks. I'm going to give you the Chet Hanks debrief after this episode is over. You won't regret it. I already do. Well, speaking of censorship, Henry... Yeah, you, you don't you don't take a crack at creating your own Chinese censorship movie. I, I had a little activity planned. <laughs> oh, I mean, if you have an activity planned, no, no. Honestly, it was just that idea, just saying that idea aloud. Just create the, your own version of a of a yeah. chi- of a censored of a Chinese, Chinese. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm gonna go with can't be any of the Marvel movies because you know. The kind of love the military. Whew. Probably Full Metal Jacket, and then halfway through the movie, it just cuts to black and says, everyone was fine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's half as long. Well, the coda is an hour long. The coda, yeah. It's just a book at that point. Yeah. But just says everyone was fine. That's a, That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, yeah, I think mine would be the birdcage, but halfway through, it just fades to black and it says, the people go their own ways, uh, and never even speak to each other again. Okay, yeah, I could definitely see that. <laughs> I, uh, I think mine would be Splash, but when the butt is about to show up, Akota appears and says, the police were notified of the butt quickly and arrested all butts involved, and, uh... And Tyler Dirt was sent to a sanitarium. <laughs> in future, yeah, in future movies released in China, they don't <laughs> they don't do a new coda each time. <laughs> they they build off previous codas. Like you can see, like they tried to black out some of the letters. Yeah, but they it, they they can't get rid of Tyler Durden. The lunatic was sent to an asylum. Yeah, and in in <laughs> aggregate, it creates a uh, a kind of Chinese censorship cinematic universe. Yeah, oh, where Tyler Durden, despite all of his struggles, cannot resist going to the insane asylum. Absolutely, I like it. Also, the police frequently win a lot of movies. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, that's enough about this. I just, it's its absurd to me. A fight club of all things that you change the ending to. I mean, I, I think, like, they're pretty smart. It's hard to find a more anti-authority movie than Fight Club, which is why it was a big deal. Uh, but then a lot of people, obviously this is well-trodden ground, didn't really get the message of fight club and they just thought it ruled and it was about dudes rocking 
I do love the the very common line toted about with Fight Club. It's, oh, the first rule about Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. And the second rule about Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. And people always like love quoting it. And no one does the deep thinking. Like Those were the rules because they want you to get used to breaking rules. Yeah. And also blow credit card companies. Yeah, because if you wipe out the credit card companies, the debt can't be transferred or stored anywhere. Debt's not stored anywhere else. Listen, computers, forget about it. Water your lawn with motor oil. Yeah, now we're talking. Speaking of watering your lawn with motor oil, Henry. I'm here for it. Have you heard of a little thing called Spotify? Yeah, they do the wrapped at the end of every year and tell me how many hours I've listened to Flying Raccoon Suit. It's also a podcast platform that we are on. But there's also, also, also. There's also. (laughs) There's also a little podcast that I don't know if you've heard of called the Joe Rogan Experience on Spotify. Uh, yeah, I'm familiar with local Austinite celebrity Joe Rogan. God, disgusting. Uh, now, have you heard the re- the most recent Joe Rogan news? Or Dro- I ha- Droga news? I, I am not up on the Droga news. Uh, my favorite uh, dragon tried. from Game of Thrones. But, I tried. Uh, Rolling Stone reporting. Now, a few changes have taken place in this story that I think Rolling Stone has done the best job of uh, chronicling. Uh, Neil Young demands Spotify remove his music over false information about vaccines on the Joe Rogan experience. Who's Neil Young? He's a famous musician. Uh, did he... Is he... No, it's Neil Diamond. <laughs> Very close. Um, uh, only the good die young. That's uh, his his last name. I don't know who Neil Young is. Please inform me. Rocking in the free world. Harvest Moon. That's a video game. Good try. Won't like, be tricked. Like a hurricane. Four strong winds. Southern man. Ohio. Wait, he's he's the one who's who sings. Mr. Here Soul. I am. Rocky like a hurricane. He did a cover of it, I think. I don't know if it was oh, the actual. Okay. Neil okay. Young, you know, I'm not, I'm not actually the crazy horse. I'm not the biggest Neil Young fan, to be You're honest You're thinking of you. Crazy Train? 50% of the time when I think of Neil Young, I'm actually thinking about Tom Petty. That man has a completely different name, John. Very different name. But Neil Young uh, posted a since-deleted letter to his management team and record label demanding that they remove his music from Spotify. Quote, I'm doing this because Spotify is spreading fake information about vaccines, potentially causing death to those who believe the disinformation being spread by them. He wrote, please act on this immediately today and keep me informed of the time schedule. I want you to let Spotify know immediately today that I want all my music off their platform. They can have Rogan or Young, not both. Oh, okay. Okay, so Neil Young doesn't have a podcast. No, he does not have a podcast. He is simply an old, old music man. Uh, If you were to compare the two, um, Joe Rogan and Neil Young... Who would you think has the bigger listener base over their podcast and their music? Uh, I would say, well, 
I think the Joe Rogan experience averages 10 or 11 million listens per week. Are you kidding? No. 10 or 11 million? Yeah, 10 or 11 million listens per week. A podcast can pull those numbers? Uh, The Joe Rogan experience can. Jesus Christ, at a dollar per listen. I mean, he's a very rich man. Uh, and we get a dollar per listen on this podcast, which is a pretty penny. No, it isn't. And we don't. No, it's literal. It's literally pennies on the dollar. Uh, so this is this is really compounded by. It's complicated, rather, by a couple things. Uh, it's largely believed that Neil Young posted the statement because last month, two hundred something doctors and physicians and educators signed an open letter asking Spotify to stop spreading Rogan's baseless claims and we're going to come back to maybe some issues i have with the language surrounding this uh but the joe rogan experience obviously has been a a target because it does largely spread disinformation about vaccines young was most likely responding to that another complicating factor is neil young has pulled his music from Spotify before because he said that the audio quality wasn't as good. So if I were in Spotify's shoes, I don't know if I'd like to keep the huge money-making Joe Rogan podcast on or the kind of tempestuous Neil Young, who I'm sure gets a lot of listens to. Yeah, I mean... Neil Young, obviously a venerable musician uh, of such hits such as um, Crocodile Rock? Uh, no, not Crocodile Rock. You know, I the more I look into this, the more I realize that I know basically no Neil Young songs. I don't know who this is, but if he's big enough to do a letter that then got deleted... That sounds like it's big, right? I mean, it's it's pretty big. It's being reported on in Rolling Stone. So, you know, it's... If it's... I type in Neil Young uh-huh. and songs... I have uh, 2.5 billion results. Um, Cowgirl in the Sand. Sure. I mean, if the bit is like, we don't know Neil Young songs, I think we've pretty much covered that. Okay. Heart of Gold, Harvest Moon, um, Song of the Seasons. I don't know. I don't know right. Neil Young. How many people listen to Neil Young? <laughs> Jamie, can you pull that up? <laughs> oh, is that a Joe Rogan reference? I wouldn't know. I'd never listen to it. I don't either. Isn't that great? So, I mean, if Mr. Rogan's pulling in 10 to 11 million downloads per episode and Neil Young is um, just a musician whose work is, like, there on Spotify, he might be making new music. I'm not one to talk down musicians. They can do whatever they want. They're one of the only artists that really don't have to actually have to do new things after a while. They just yeah. get a, a bunch of songs and play them forever. I'm not jealous. I mean, also, just to be clear, Neil Young is extremely famous. Uh, both of us don't know much of his music, but he's he's certainly a known quantity. He My, suffered from polio in 1952. Right? Joe Rogan couldn't say the same. He could never. I'm... So, here's my thing. Is, for both of these, 
the argument being made both by Neil Young and this letter signed by 200 and something doctors, physicians, educators saying that Spotify is like spreading misinformation about vaccines. I don't know that I necessarily agree with those claims. To be clear, I don't like Joe Rogan, and I think he is spreading misinformation about vaccines. Uh, but Spotify isn't necessarily doing that. I mean, they're giving him a platform, but like misinformation's not illegal. And if a company doesn't have a clause related to misinformation, they don't really have any duty to not air things that contain disinformation. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, we get into ethical versus like letter of the law legality and the unethical thing can be politely excused by technically being legal pretty much every time. I um, mean, it, it, it is unethical to have a podcast where you talk about vaccine disinformation. And I, I don't disagree that point, though we have probably ourselves uh, given a fair amount of disinformation. I think about my Johnny Depp hatred. Uh, I said some things about Johnny Depp. Not a great Grindelwald. Uh I don't know. It, it It's tough for me because I don't know that Spotify is at fault for just having his podcast on their platform, you know? Yeah, I'm, I don't. This is a case of individuals making individual decisions. Neil Young doesn't agree with the misinformation spread by Joe Rogan. So he's say, telling Spotify Either you take him off or you take me off, and either way, I'll be okay with it. I don't want to share a platform with that person. Yeah. He's not – Neil Young isn't saying you should be ashamed of yourself, Spotify, for doing this, and I'm going to sue you for emotional damage or whatever. Uh, He's just saying, like, I don't want to be here, so you have a choice to make Spotify. It's him or me. And Neil Young probably knows at the end of the day it's going to be him. Yeah. I mean, I I think that, yes, it it is individuals making individual choices. And I think that we're more powerful figures than Neil Young to rally behind this and to say that their music should be pulled from from Spotify. I'm looking at you, Taylor Swift, Earl Sweatshirt, and Toby Keith. I recognized one of those names. Not Toby Keith? Is that... Like a Keith Urban type? I, yeah, I think he does country music. Okay. Uh, but I'm just saying, if, if more powerful forces than Neil Young were to band together to do this, uh, they might do it. I don't know. That'd be great. I don't want Joe Rogan to be on that platform. Yeah. I, you know, it's just it's a thing where you can't choose. It's like being on YouTube. You can't choose who else is on YouTube. And you can't expect YouTube to de-platform anybody. Uh, so the only real move you have is to choose to remove yourself. Yeah, uh, I mean, everyone yeah. has the same tools at their disposal, which is their choice to be on or off the platform. And sometimes it rings a little false to ask a huge corporation to, to de-platform someone. But if you're a powerful actor in that mm-hmm. ecosystem, I think you're totally within your rights. I feel like Neil Young's people went to Neil Young and said, hey, look, we're not getting a lot of money off Spotify because Spotify famously doesn't really pay musicians for 
plays on their music. Uh, and so they concocted a plan like we can get you a lot of publicity if you come out against vaccine misinformation and, you know, it, the end result is uh, your library might no longer be on Spotify, but we're, we weren't making a lot of money off of that anyway, but we can get your name in headlines and that might drum up some merchandise, you know, money or concert opportunities for you. And, and it, was that's that? complicated though, because the letter has been deleted. I think this was Neil Young going off the dome. I don't think this was pre-written. I think Neil Young, I well, think this is Neil Young got going, deleted. Oh, you think this is a psyop? This is a psyop by the young conglomerate. The, the young anistas, the young consortium, the, those, those, those young bloods. The, uh, by the way, uh, Heart of Gold has 250 million streams on Spotify. Okay, so at like a dollar a stream. He has like 6 200... million monthly listeners, so not the same power as, okay. uh, as, as one Joe Rogan. 6 million monthly, whereas Joe Rogan... I don't know how often, how often do they release new episodes of the JRE. I'm assuming every week, but I don't give a shit. I have no idea. But so, about four... four not four. 4.5 times as much plays as uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Young. But listen, get Taylor Swift in there. Is any of her music on Spotify? Oh, I don't know. For the longest time, she held out because she wanted to get paid. Because, of course, she did. Because musicians deserve to get paid. Obviously, they do. I, I think maybe they struck a deal. But, yeah. She's famous for not wanting uh, people to make money off her music. 54 monthly listeners for Taylor Swift. So, you know. 54? <laughs> Wait, what? 54 million. Million. Okay. <laughs> I, I maybe I missed the million. <laughs> 54 <laughs> plays for Taylor Swift a year. Oh, I was looking at Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, but yes, good on you, Neil Young. Uh, yeah. Fuck Joe Rogan. Uh, take him down. Now, the funny thing at the end of the day, the people who listen to Joe Rogan, they're still going to listen to Joe Rogan. The people who listen to Neil Young, they're still going to Neil, Neil Young it. And uh, no one ha else outside of these two spheres have been influenced or convinced in either way to do anything. Now, what we really need is the music that people who listen to the Joe Rogan experience listen to to sign this letter. That's right. I'm looking at you, AWOL Nation. I'm looking at you, Song 2 by Blur. I'm looking at you, whatever the intro music to three of the most popular MMA fighters is. I'm looking at you, Limp Biscuit. Uh, what are you referencing? I'm just saying whatever music that the people who listen to the JRE listen to, those bands need to get in on this. Yeah, I hear you. To throw their weight around. Because you got concentric circles going on there. Same crossover in the fan bases. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I just... I don't even think they need to take all their music off. AWOL Nation just needs to say, we're going to take Sail away from you. And then Limp Biscuit needs to take away Break Stuff. And then the Joe Rogan Experience people will be turned out into the street. Yeah, they'll have no place to go for their one kind of repetitive song and another song I've never heard of. 
they need i mean listen where's a jre listener gonna go when they can't uh punch a hole through the drywall while screaming sale are there are there videos of this i can watch it sounds fascinating i mean just come over to my house I feel like all of the people who stop listening to Joe Rogan experience because the music gets pulled just starts listening to Jordan Peterson instead because, you know, they their names both start with J. It's not that big of a transition. And they both suck. I don't know anything about these people. I feel like if there's a podcast that a majority of people are tuning into for, like, life advice, that's the same thing as, like, tuning into Oprah or Ellen or The View or Dr. Phil or any of these daytime television things, it's just like, why? Why would you do that? Why not listen to an actual play, role-playing podcast? I mean, Joe Rogan is just man, Ellen. He's, He's just toxic masculinity, Melon. Yeah. I I just feel like there's so many better, more entertaining podcasts out there. Why would you tune in to... to and like the thing is like not they don't follow any of the podcasting rules or like things that that podcasters have agreed on that like this is how you do it it's like you know tight content with segments that are easily followable uh like these are just some conventions of podcasting that everyone should do and then here comes Joe Rogan with a 4 hour podcast about Things that are pulled up on a screen we can't see because we're audio only. Yeah, I mean, all Joe Rogan does is he has this, like, long, rambling podcast where they talk about things that are kind of happening in the zeitgeist. They largely agree. But he has guests. Yeah, that is a, it's a big difference. It's a big difference. And also, we don't tell people to take horse to wormer. We don't tell people to take horse to wormer until now. If you're listening, no. wait. If you're uh, listening uh, to this no. podcast and you have seen no. Fight Club, eat horse paste. No, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Not even in parody. Okay, fine. Don't eat horse paste. No, don't do that. Do watch Fight Club. Watch Fight Club again, Pause, because if you've made throw, it this far, you have watched Fight Club. Throw your phone into a sink full of water, you yeah. idiot, yeah. and watch Fight Club again, because you missed something. You missed the fact that Meatloaf died. R.I.P. Meatloaf. His name is Robert Paulson. I, uh, R.I.P. Meatloaf. He had some pretty weird stuff there at the end of his life about... The, I'm just re- yeah. I'm just referencing yeah. He 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 died and he played the character yes. Robert Paulson on Fight Club. Yes. I didn't mean to drag up his personal views about viruses. But R.I.P. Meatloaf. Bad Out of Hell Two is great. Yeah, and uh, I will always love you. No wait, that's Dolly Parton. <laughs> Dolly Parton still kicking. Still kicking. Speaking of kicking, Henry. Jesus Christ! What? <laughs> no, no, no. No, Sp- no one should kick Henry. <laughs> Speaking of Neil Young, Joe Rogan, speaking of these intellectual titans, I I would like to tell you that a a fantastic event took place over the last weekend that I'm I'm sure you were aware of. You're going to bring this up and we're going to talk about it? I mean, I briefly. Is Is this what I think it is? I mean, what do you think it is? 
Well, I think uh, so. It it came out that uh, a certain candy company. Oh, that is not what we're going to talk about. Okay, never mind. I don't want to talk about that. I'll let you talk about your thing. No, the thing I'm going to talk about is much more important because we are talking about uh, art, the zeitgeist, and our place in it. Now, I won't read the headline, but I think Vulture does a very good job recapping the event. So I'll I'll just I'll just read some Vulture. Uh, we've been doing that a lot lately. Open quote. Uh, I guess my question is. Can we even talk about the boss baby and the other employees of Baby Corps as babies? End quote. <laughs> Joshua Poole of UC Riverside, a psychiatry student, had just wrapped up a 15-minute presentation on The Boss Baby, the what? 2017 DreamWorks film about a baby blessed with the mind, voice, and corporate fashion sense of Alec Baldwin and Glengarry Glen Ross. During the Q&A, Another resident, Rennie Burke of San Mateo County Behavioral Health and Recovery Services, wanted to know if Poole had factored in Daniel Winnicott's, Donald Winnicott's field-defining research into developmental psychology. Quote, I was nervous about bringing in Winnicott because he really complicates my argument, Poole replied warmly, then ventured that his thesis, a deep medical dive into the boss baby's psychotic orientation to the world, still held true. Quote, Winnicott says that we can't have any understanding of the point of view of the baby, but I'm looking at it from the point of view of the baby. End quote. This was the unique magic of the first annual Boss Baby Symposium. What? For nearly five hours on the afternoon of January 3rd, 12 panelists and 75 spectators gathered over Zoom for a day of reckoning with the children's movie. The symposium was co-organized by two philosophy PhD students, Jamie McCaffrey of the University of Kentucky and Tor Lavander of Fordham University, who described the movie as an interpretive nightmare. Uh, in McCaffrey's okay. opening remarks, she quipped that the film's singular vision of thematically richer than the Bible and more confusing than Ulysses. Why? Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> yes. What is there to gain about doing a deep deep dive on the Boss Baby? Uh, I mean, there's a lot to dig into in the Boss Baby. I'm sure all of these academics seem to think so. I. I'm speechless. I listen. There's not much to say about the first annual Boss Baby Symposium, but I can tell you that all of it can be relived on YouTube. A link to which will be in the show description. Uh, there's no. Char- there was no charge to attend, and there is a merch store where you can buy Boss Baby Symposium merchandise with all benefits going to the Children's Legal Advocate. Legal advocacy charity CASA. Is this a is it a joke? The Boss Baby Symposium. Yeah, serious as a heart attack. Well, I, how many symposiums actually have merchandise though? I mean, have you ever been to a symposium? No. There we go. But that doesn't mean they have merch. I mean, I've never been to a symposium either, so I don't really know. All of this new media symposium bullshit. All these people taking deep dive academic cuts and knives. Cuts and knives. Academic knives to like the works of Tolkien or Harry Potter. 
all this nonsense. We need to focus on the classics. Your Buffy the Vampire Slayers. Yes. Your Fireflies. Your, your Dollhouses. Your Dollhouses. Your Seinfelds. Your your Friends. You know, the classics. The work of the literary new media canon. Listen, I'm saying that everyone's out there. They're turned out into the streets trying to burn the classics. Burn the canon. But I'm telling you, there is real genuine merit to be found in will and grace uh cash cab (laughs) (laughs) right where is the cash cab symposium and is it mobile because i feel like it should be it really should be mobile and when you get in the symposium you don't know you're attending the symposium yeah until the lights go off and then somebody starts presenting their their thesis on why cash cab is really speaking to middle america about the the transportation problems that middle americans run into when they're in the big city i'm just saying things are in the canon for a reason so if you want to tell me that the episode of seinfeld where kramer's apartment has uh kenny rogers fried chicken (laughs) built across from it and then has a big neon sign if you mean to tell me that that doesn't resonate through to today's worries i don't know what to tell you you just want to throw things out because they're quote-unquote old and you want to bring in the episode of new girl where dumb guy says a thing Right, yeah. These are the same people that want to study the new Rugrats without studying the decades of Rugrats that came out before it back in the 1990s. Yeah, they want to throw away the dialogue around Dr. Lipschitz about that one couple that had that thing going on about that big baby. You remember the big baby? I oh, I, rem- I, I remember. Yeah, I remember the big baby. Rugrats is a show that really, on a weird psychological level, left a lot of scars. I uh, I genuinely have a very serious psychological scar f- that is Rugrats related that I may have talked about on this podcast. You might have. Do you remember when you could go into like a Walmart or a Sam Goody or whatever and they would have like... What the, the fuck is a Sam Goody? The controllers for the PlayStation hooked up to the TV so you could like play demos of games. Yeah, right? I, I do. Yeah, I remember that. That was a staplehood of my childhood. Yeah, it was a staple of anyone who grew up loving video games and kind of poor <laughs> really looked forward to the opportunity to play those gross, slick PlayStation controllers. Mm-hmm. And uh, Le- Legend of Dragoon. Yeah, you they you they had demos for RPGs. Yeah. You could sit there for an hour while your parents looked at refrigerators or whatever. Uh I I strongly remember I was perusing the Nintendo 64 games and I heard the Rugrats theme. And I was not a very social child. And I heard this Rugrats theme and I saw two kids hanging out near the demo station. I was like, "Hey you kids, I must have been seven or eight (laughs) which by the way seven or eight is like you can watch rugrats when you're seven or eight right 
Yeah, absolutely. It was on Nickelodeon. Yeah. I I walked up to these kids. I was like, oh, is there a Rugrats game? And these kids fucking roasted me. These kids took me apart for, for wanting to see if there was a Rugrats game. And then after that, I, I held like a serious shame about watching any kind of cartoon and probably grew up faster than I should have. Oh, man, that's so sad. Yeah, these kids really took the opportunity to really house me on the Rugrats thing. Yeah, you were almost as though like an adult in a child's body. Yes, they they, they forced me out of being a child, and then I just watched action movies, and then I refused to watch movies where anyone sang. Those kids really ruined my life. They turned you into sort of a... Like a manager of what your media was, and you were a child. Yeah, I just wish there was some way for... I I wish there was some kind of media that I could map my experiences onto. Yeah, if there was something about, like, some type of child person in charge... Like some sort of manager infant... Yeah, like, yeah, manager infant, something like that. Um, If only that existed and there was a symposium that you could watch on YouTube to see all the people kind of explain the intricacies of the world of manager infant. But alas, there isn't. Yeah, I guess I just have to stick to the old canon because, I mean, as we discussed, new media has nothing we can glean to our experiences anymore. I guess I'm, I applaud the, uh, the these academics who are dissecting Boss Baby. Whoa, and, now. You can't talk about dissecting a baby. Dissecting the movie Boss Baby. There we go. Dissecting this, this work of art. Um, they really took that baby apart. Yeah, I, I can applaud them because they're making a statement that we do need to be taking maybe a closer look at the media produced today and not waiting for decades and decades to pass before looking back and wondering, well, was anything that we made in the past 30 years worth it? Yeah, and I think Boss Baby exists to answer that very question. I think Boss Baby alone should be heavily scrutinized for any value or artistic merit, and by that movie alone... The decades that have passed will live or die. Yeah, Boss Baby should be the lens through which we judge all culture. Exactly, yes. Find me one innocent movie and I will save. <laughs> yes, if, if, the, if the Boss Baby finds one, one innocent movie, he will save mankind. If not, we are all destroyed. Exactly, we will live... By the boss baby, and certainly we will die by the boss baby. <laughs> Listen, two things are certain in life. Death and by boss baby. <laughs> death by boss baby. And that's both of them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's both things. Wow. Um, amazing. Well, Henry. I've never seen that movie, and I never will, but there's a whole frickin' series of it now, too. You've never seen Boss Baby 2, Boss in Action? <laughs> no! 
You've never seen Boss Baby 3, uh, Baby Corp Struggles with Sexual Harassment Claims? <laughs> Dude, it turns out, it turns out under Boss Baby's guidance, there was an awful culture. That, that, <laughs> you, don't, you don't say. There was a uh, what? Really, really, really toxic culture at, at Baby Corp. Just like people running wild, just boozing, yeah. sexual harassment all the time. Uh, it was awful. Yep. Here's the headline. State of California officially investigating Baby Corp for workplace misdemeanors. You know they don't take a case if they think they're going to lose. Yeah, they're going to have to get bought out or- you know they're going to get acquired by uh, Toddler Soft. Yeah, um, Acta Baby Baby Zerd. <laughs> Is that anything? <laughs> Is any of this anything? <laughs> Is Acta Baby? Acta Baby? Ah, <laughs> uh, Acta Baby. I think on Acta Baby, we need to wrap this up because we're going to start babbling in just five minutes. Yes, we have turned into babies. Man, what an episode, John. We talked about Oreos for way too long. (laughs) We talked about Oreos for 40 minutes, Neil Young for 30 seconds. China censoring the end of Fight Club for way shorter than I thought we would. (laughs) Yeah, I I really thought there'd be more meat on those bones, but it kind of went nowhere. Yeah, weird. It's weird. You, You pick these topics and you're like, huh, we'll talk about this for a while. And then they just kind of fly by because... There wasn't a lot to say. And then we talked about Acta Baby. Yep, and then the Boss Baby Symposium. Wow, what a full day we've had. Wow, we need a nappy nap. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Somebody fetch Henry his noonie. Is that what people call pacifiers for babies? Noonie? Acta Baby. New 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 new. <laughs> okay, we said we would start babbling, and we are right on schedule. Yes, and if you want to babble at us, you can do so. You are so enabled. Just go to twitter.com and send us a tweet at zcpcwhj. And I believe uh, John knows what that stands for. That stands for new 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 new. That's right. And do you have a lo- if you have a longer, more complex message, you can always feel free to send us an email to email at zerocredits.net. One of us will answer. Uh, if you're listening to this on a, sp- a podcast app such as Spotify, where Joe Rogan and Neil Young can currently be found, or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the likes, we just want to thank you for listening. And if you could do just a tiny thing and leave us a rating and review, that would be great. We would appreciate it and more people could find the podcast. And to that end, the most important thing you can do is tell somebody about our podcast. If you could just take a second out of your day to say, hey, I listen to this podcast. It's pretty cool. The people on it are kind of dumb, but not in a way that's going to hurt anybody. And that's where I find my safety. You tell some people to listen to us, and we'll be here to keep making that good, good, capital G, capital C, good content for you well into the end of of our relevancy, much like Boss Baby. Word of the mouth is the only way you can survive. 
we're too dumb to hurt people. Yeah, I kind of like that, huh? We're too dumb. Yeah. yeah, we're too dumb. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You can be dumb in the wrong direction. Yeah, you could be maliciously dumb. Yeah, but we're not. We're like uh we're we're like a sphere, right? We're a yeah, soft no. sphere. We could be going real fast. Yeah. But we're, we're not going to hurt off. anybody. Yeah. We're like a plush. We're like a baby toy, a baby plushie that's We're like round. a baby plush nunu. <laughs> a baby nunu plush plushum. And uh, we can be thrown fast, but we're just going to squeak and bounce right off you like a little fluffy cloud. Yeah. We're like, if I could, if I could just piggyback off of what Henry said, we're like a baby. And you can throw a baby at someone real hard or real fast, but the person is not going to get hurt. No, the baby might. The baby might get hurt. And if it's a boss baby, doubly so. Yeah, you can hurt a boss baby. <laughs> if there's they can one thing it. you can take away from this podcast episode, you can hurt a boss baby. You can hurt, they've got feelings. If it bleeds, we can hurt it. Oh my god. Boss, if you prick a boss baby, does it not boss bleed? Wait. We cannot be pricking babies. We can't be pricking babies. Unless to vaccinate <laughs> vaccinate the babies. Let's vaccinate these boss babies. Vaccinate. You think the boss baby you think the boss baby is anti-vax? Absolutely. <laughs> Alright, let's get out of here. Okay, bye. Yes, that's right, John. Oh, wait, from no, everyone no. here. Oh, right. I clapped. I jumped the gun. You erroneously <laughs> clapped. Okay. Yes? We're, we're still in it. We never left. Okay, yep. Oh, yeah, because I was supposed to say, from yeah. everyone here at the Zero Credits Boss Baby, we want to wish you a happy week. Goodbye, everybody. Good luck. Good boss.